From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And LADFF is very excited to announce that we'll be hosting a three-day event a female filmmaker showcase and fundraiser called Real Women, October 15th through the 17th, highlighting some tremendous female filmmakers and their work. And we happen to be joined by one of those filmmakers today, Natalia Vekic, and her powerful and pertinent short film, Jane, will be screening as a part of the shorts block, A Day in Her Life. And she's here today to talk about her incredible film, Natalia, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's really exciting to finally be able to screen the film, not virtually, but actually to real human beings in an audience. That's amazing. So is this going to be your first in-person screening? Yeah, there was a sneak peek in early 2020 for a commemoration of Roe v. Wade. And then literally every festival that I was in either rescheduled or went virtual. And so Mm -hmm. this will be the first in public screening. I mean, honestly, that's kind of why we're doing this was because over the last two years, we've had to do obviously so much stuff virtual and we wanted to give the filmmakers a chance who have not had a theater experience to be able to do that. So we have some of the films that were in LADFF last year, some of the films that were in LADFF this year, screening virtually, and then also some new films to our festival, which Jane is. So it's going to be a great combination of all amazing films. And a lot of them, this is going to be their first theatrical experience. So it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm totally, I'm really excited to see it with an audience. I mean, I made it to see it with an audience and I and all the, and I've definitely seen it with a virtual audience and that's been great but it's there's nothing like being in a dark theater with a room full of people and really feeling that tension or that laughter and just kind of sitting there and dreaming together. Absolutely. For those who don't know about it, tell the audience about your film Jane. Jane started actually as a piece that I wrote as a feature over many years. That was in multiple labs and it's a piece that I really thought was going to be the first feature that I directed. And it's about a group of women in 1969 who help other women access counseling, safe doctors. And through the process of doing this, they figure out that a lot of the doctors are fraud. Some of the doctors that they're working with charge exorbitant rates. And so Mm -hmm. they decide to take matters into their own hands and learn to perform the abortions themselves. So that's the feature. And that's where this whole thing really started. And after years of trying very hard to raise money for the feature and hearing no a whole lot, and this was before the election in 2016. So I think the climate has really shifted. I finally, after many years, just decided, you know what, I may not be able to raise a million dollars, but this is such an important subject matter. I want to make a short film. So I'm going to have to take what I've learned from the feature and really make it into something tight and compact because, you know, as we know, shorts work when they're streamlined, when they're about one thing. And so at that point, the logline for the short film is really, you know, like it's 1969, there is no Roe v. Wade. 
And Teresa and Josie, my main characters, are part of an underground group who help women access safe abortions. And when their doctor does not show up, will they turn women in need away? Mm -hmm. And so that was the question that I presented in that short. And it's just so beautifully done. It's so gripping. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, it feels like the film is even more relevant than, you know, when you first wrote your feature or or even from, you know, last year, given the terrible Texas laws that were passed earlier this year. Take us, if you can, into like your research process when writing the film. As you mentioned, it's like based on true events, based on a real organization, but there's also like a lot of really, even in your short, so many colorful and heartbreaking details that are in the fabric of the film. Yeah, I think because I had spent so long on the feature, like after I'd written it at UCLA and I was actually mentored there by Dustin Lance Black, who made Milk. Mm -hmm. After I'd written it at UCLA, I took it to a bunch of labs. And that really was very a powerful experience because it made me go back to the drawing board and really do more research. And one of the things that I like to do personally, if I'm writing stories about a real group or real incident, if I can, is to actually do first person interviews. Right. And so I did go and actually find some of their Janes, some of the Janes through arrest records, because a lot of them had used pseudonyms and found a couple of them and managed to convince them to do an interview with me. One of the most prominent, who's actually very out about being a Jane, is Judith Arcana, who lives up in Oregon. So on my own dime, I actually flew myself there, did an amazing interview interview with her, met her through her, found another contact and interviewed her. And then I found also the person who started Jane out of her dorm room, who's wow. like a longtime activist. She was going to the University of Chicago. She's a longtime activist. She's still a union activist. And she really gave me a sense of like the weight of history and what was going on. And I think from those details being able to talk to the Janes and actually being able to talk to several different members during different times from the beginning through when they were arrested really helped me see the arc of that story, which obviously is hard to do in a short, much easier in a feature and a pilot, Mm -hmm. you know, or a series. And so it just gave me a specificity of details. Obviously, this piece is not a documentary, so I am creating fictional characters to live inside this world. I didn't actually use any of the real characters wholly that I interviewed. I really went back and used the specificity and the details and those very small moments that happen when people are intimate with each other, which is what I think a lot of filmmaking and shorts are about. If you can get to that truth, without necessarily using the real characters, but setting up situations to get to the truth. Absolutely. I agree 100%. You mentioned documentary work. This is obviously a narrative piece. But prior to this, you had directed a lot of documentaries, I noticed. And I was just curious, how did your documentary filmmaking experience help inform your work in this, which is obviously a historical drama, but, you know, a straightforward narrative as well? Well, 
in a strange way, those two timelines are actually parallel. Like for my day job, I make short documentaries and commercials, and a lot of them are behind the scenes where I'm interviewing people and Mm -hmm. presenting them as short docs. So I actually went to UCLA to get my screenwriting degree first. And, you know, I've been trying to break in as a writer and a director. And as I mentioned, I had tried to make Jane as a feature first. And so my day job, part of my day job is to make these short documentaries or to make kind of behind the scenes commercials with real people. And what I've really learned during that process is that you really have to make people comfortable to talk to you. And that Mm -hmm. works the same way with human beings that are real people that aren't actors. And it works the same way with actors. Like you come to the table with a lot of open heart, open mind and curiosity. And I truly, genuinely, when I'm interviewing people, want to know about their experience. I don't come in with preconceived notions. I come in with a sense of like, what can I learn? I've learned a lot about pre-interviews in terms of doing the documentary work. I think they're really important to make people feel comfortable, get to know them. You hear things in pre-interviews that you can then follow up on. And I think the parallel with actors is rehearsal. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't do rehearsals. They don't have the budget, the time, the money. But I was very insistent that we had to do rehearsals with this piece because you know, from seeing it, you know, the scene that I'm talking about, like the procedure scene, that's a really difficult scene. And I needed to get it right. And I needed to talk to my actors also about the past. You know, I had done these interviews with the real Janes, but they didn't. And so it was really sitting around a table and asking ourselves a lot of questions about the characters, who they were, Also talking about the history, you know, that what were women experiencing in 1969? Like, what was that history? How did that impact women from different socioeconomic backgrounds? Like, what was that going to look like in their characters? And so for me, like that parallel, once again, between directing and doing pre-interviews for documentary and doing rehearsals with actors is very similar. You come in with a lot of questions, you sit around a table and you work things out and then you get in a room and you get it up on its legs and you go through what we think it's going to be like and feel like and be in the moment. And I think that's my favorite part of the process. It's the part of the process that much like my writing practice I completely can lose track of time and just be in (laughs) the moment. You know, there's not the fear of the camera. Are we going to get this take? There's not, you know, the lighting and waiting. It's just pure in the moment. Can we get these words to translate from the page into a room with human beings? And it's the most exciting part. That's kind of the art, you know, that's the art aspect of it is, you know, just working with the actors, trying to find it. Let's try this. Let's try that. Seeing where where the words take you and where the characters take you. That's one of the most beautiful parts of the process. Yeah. And, you know, I was really lucky because my actors were really open to that. They wanted themselves to take the time and the effort to do that, you know, and one of them was on a TV show. So it's like, they were very generous to do that. And I really appreciated it. And I think in the end, it really helped us so much. We also, during one of the rehearsals, brought in a surgical nurse, someone who had worked at SF General Hospital. Her name is Donna Poole, and she was actually a consultant for us. 
So you know, how do you hold this instrument? What looks right? What feels right? You know, what is the actual step-by-step process? We can't get this wrong. So it was really helpful to have her there because, you know, when you're facing doing anything new, there's a little bit of fear. But when you're actually doing this procedure that you've never seen, that's Uh, you know, shrouded in secrecy and you're an actor and you want to make sure to get it right, that was a really helpful part of the process. And I think once again, coming from like documentary directing and this idea of like reality, it's, we are completely clear, like we're creating a fictional film, but we wanted to get some of those details right. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's so cool to hear about your guys' process working with the actors. They're all great. Michelle Prada and McKenna Melvin kind of lead the cast and they're just terrific. And you create a really great balance of the characters feel very lived in and authentic, but by the end, they also feel, have like this kind of like superhero mystique to them as well. It's very fun thing. And and it's really like an impressive accomplishment to do in like an under 20 minute short. So kudos. Thank you so much. But kudos to the actors for really embodying those women and taking the time to do the work to embody the women. And also just the amazing thing about working with actors is just seeing how much you can grow a character from the page to the screen. And obviously I'd been living these with these characters for a long time because I had written the feature and I've actually like taken the feature and turned it into a pilot as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent a lot of time with these characters, but something magic happens when you're in a room with actors and you're really having these conversations and it's like you're taking the characters to a whole new direction. And I think that's a part of like, you have to be okay with that because I think every actor bring something that you couldn't have even imagined to your character. And, you know, the minute that I saw Michelle Prada, when I was watching her in Vida, Mm -hmm. I just knew I was like, this is my Teresa. How am I going to get her? Like, how am I going to get this woman to be in this short film? I just knew it instinctively from seeing her character and seeing her embody the character in Vita. And I'm just really lucky that from sitting in front of a television screen and actually seeing her and being so excited to actually getting her to be in the film. Yeah, she's incredible, both in your film and in uh, Vita. She's just got like this innate strength, (laughs) you know, that just like comes through the screen and it's just like undeniable. She's really special to watch. If we can, let's go into that procedure scene. Watching that scene, it just made me respect these women even more because, I mean, I couldn't breathe or relax watching the scene, so I cannot fathom the strength that they needed to actually be in that room. Like, it's really incredible. But talk to us, if you can, about crafting that scene. You kind of talked about crafting it with the actors, but talk to us about crafting it from a visual standpoint, both in the shooting and editing of it. Well, I have to say that it was pretty terrifying, you know, because obviously we had, as I mentioned, rehearsed it and really like had the surgical nurse there to watch us during the rehearsal, like towards the end. And that's one thing. And you really feel like, wow, we did it. We like, this feels really good. And all the different pieces and the actors are coming together and pulling together to create this moment. And then you get on set, you know, and obviously it's a low budget film. We actually shot that scene and part of the film in my apartment because (laughs) it was just too expensive to go out and pay a thousand dollars a day for 
locations. So you get into the room and suddenly half of your space disappears because there's lighting and a camera and a boom and people. And it was really terrifying. It was, I'm not going to lie. It was a really tough scene to shoot because we needed so much coverage in the scene. And that day, and this will maybe be heartening to a lot of filmmakers out there who are working and like the sort of pitfalls when you're actually on set. But that day when we came to set, The DWP was actually drilling outside because my water, everybody's water on the block had been stopped. There was like a burst pipe. Oh my God. And so (laughs) we came to set, there was no water running in the apartment. So no way to go to the bathroom, no water, anything. And then we had this drilling literally a half a block away. And as you know, from the scene, it's the quiet of it Mm -hmm. is what's tense about it. We planned very few words in that scene, except during the most heightened conflicted part. And all of a sudden we're dealing with, there's drilling down the street, there's no water. You know, people have to leave set to go to the bathroom. Like there's just some really basic logistics that are insane. And then we have a scene that we have to cover in one day and there's tons of coverage. Yeah. It was terrifying. We did it. I knew in that scene, I wanted it to be told from multiple angles, especially obviously Teresa and Verna, who is the patient, mm-hmm. but it really needed to be told from all different perspectives. We need to get like the eye lines between certain characters. And it was like a really hard scene to film. And I have to be honest, we actually ran out of time. So there were shots that we were going to do that were like really close up. Like just, I love in films. And when we talk about the three that I really love, those really close up details that almost feel abstract. And I really saw the scene in that way, both as a scene where there are multiple eye lines and people looking at each other and building tension that way through silence and then the ultimate release. But I also wanted it to have these moments where there's just hands and like details and really close ups, really tight on people's faces. And I never got to those. Well, as an audience member, it was still gripping and I was still on the edge of my seat. So when you do the feature, you'll get those uh, super <laughs> tight abstract inserts. We'll be looking for those. But legitimately, I saw your film like I think last year or maybe the year before I was a part of a judging panel for uh, the Chimera Project. And it blew my hair back then. And then when you agreed to be a part of this showcase, I rewatched it and that scene got me like gripping my chair and grinding my teeth like once again. So it works. (laughs) It works, Natalia. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's the other part of filmmaking is getting into the edit, you know, and maybe that's another parallel with documentary filmmaking. Obviously you write it um, one way, you write a piece one way, and then the actors bring all these new layers to it and a way to bring it from the script to the screen And then you film it. And as much as you're following a script, I think the important thing about an edit is really that you're needing to put on yet another set of lenses to look at in a way is like, no, but like, what do we actually have? How Mm -hmm. do we make this work? 
How do we build the tension? And I think it's everything from the acting to the cinematography. My cinematographer is Christian Bruno, and he was amazing to work with. The editor then brought their layer of talent and obviously the music and the composer as well during that scene, like really yeah, the score creating great. tension and building it and then the ultimate release. So... I think that that is kind of the amazing thing about filmmaking. It's not just you or the writing. I think that's really important and it, you know, all starts on the page. That is true. But then it's just bringing all these collaborators together to really build everything, including, you know, the costumes. I mean, that's another way to build character. It's like, how do you differentiate these characters Visually, not just through dialogue, but like actually visually through the way they're dressed. Like I, I just find like it's an amazing collaborative process and that each step of that process just helps you build the world. And you built a fascinating and gripping world. It's a breathtaking film. I want to thank you again for sharing it with us. And like you, I cannot wait to see it on the big screen. So friends at home, y'all can join us for it. Jane will be screening at LADFF's Real Women Showcase and Fundraiser Saturday, October 16th. And tickets are available right now at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. When we return, Natalia is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival returns to the big screen October 15th through 17th with Real Women, a female filmmaker showcase and fundraiser. Join us for three nights of outstanding films at the Let Live Theater in West Hollywood, California. For tickets and the full lineup, visit LADFF.com. See you all at the movies. Hello, I'm Sonia, and this is my Movie Minute. Last week I was in New York, and it was a muggy afternoon, so I decided to walk to one of my favorite theaters in the whole world, the Angelica Film Center on Houston, to see a movie. I didn't know it was playing, and I bought a ticket to the only film that was starting soon, Blue Bayou. I was blown away. First and foremost, blown away by Justin Chan's heartbreaking and heartwarming performance, then blown away again when I found out that he was also the director. I'm always impressed by a director who can get a great performance from themselves. And I was blown away by the fact that there are so many adults in the United States who are adopted from other countries as children, but never properly given U.S. citizenship, leaving them vulnerable to being deported as adults, back to places that they have never known and away from the place that they were forcibly made to call home before they could even be asked. Yet another disturbing and broken aspect of the United States immigration system. The story of Blue Bayou centers around a man named Antonio, who was adopted from Korea as a small child, ended up in foster homes and with abusive guardians, but eventually created his own family with his wife, her daughter, and a baby on the way. Early in the film, he gets in a fight with his wife's ex, a local cop, which leads to the government realizing that he is not actually a citizen and beginning the deportation process. Apparently, this happens really often, and children adopted prior to 2001 have no protection from being deported if their citizenship was not filed correctly or at all at the time of their adoption. I was told that there's some controversy surrounding the film because Justin Chan was heavily influenced by the story of a man named Adam Crasper, 
who chose not to participate in the filmmaking or writing process. Some advocates for the cause think that Justin didn't serve their story nor push to change the laws as much as he could have, being that he had such a public platform to speak from. I haven't looked into the details of that, so I can't speak to any ethical issues but I'm sure there is validity to those feelings. And it's worth knowing things like that when you watch a film that's based on real people's experiences. What I can say is that I was really affected by the storytelling, acting, and cinematography, and also shocked to learn of this common deportation issues for adoptees from other countries. I recommend checking out Blue Bayou and looking into the controversy beforehand so that you're informed. I recommend checking out Blue Bayou. It's in theaters now, but coming to streaming soon, I'm sure. Let us know what you think. That was my minute. Thanks for listening. You know I'd go to the moon with you, right? I ain't scared. You can depart voluntarily. Or you can stay and appear. But if the judge don't rule in your favor, he can never come back. I'm not leaving my family. All right, welcome back to Film Forward. We're here with writer and director Natalia Vekic. Her film, Jane, will be screening with LADFF on October 16th. But right now, she's going to give us three films that have inspired her, inspired her work. Natalia, let's get your first one. The first film would be Ratcatcher by Lynn Ramsey. I picked that film because I saw it at a point in time when I was really looking at a lot of films and it inspired me as a a filmmaker. It's a coming of age story, which is something that I've real soft spot for in my heart. And the film is so incredibly beautifully shot and staged. Um, Maybe because Lynn Ramsey has a background as a cinematographer Every scene in the way that it unfolds, both visually and the staging of it, is so unique and so truly, you can tell it's her movie, it's her voice, and she has such an attention to detail. There's like a very specific moment in the movie that I always come back to, and it's such a small gesture, but there's such truth to it, and it speaks to how real people exist in the world. And it's a scene where the son, who's gone through some really traumatic stuff in this film, his mother is asleep on a sofa and she has a hole in her stocking. The way it is on her foot is just in this really strange placement. And he goes and he fixes it for her. (laughs) And it's such a small moment, but it's so humanizing and says so much without any words about their relationship and the care in that relationship. And that ultimately, no matter how much they fight or what happens, like that there's just this like tiny piece of humanity in that gesture. And I feel like that kind of storytelling is so powerful. Absolutely. I mean, she really is a master of showing, not telling. That scene that you described, there's so many scenes that she's able to craft where you get such a peek inside to these characters without a single word of dialogue spoken. And she's just incredible at that. I was really fortunate to watch this movie for the first time really recently, like three months ago on a film print at the New Beverly. And it would just like really blew my hair back. I could not believe that I had not seen this movie before, but it is a masterpiece to say the least. An incredible film. Ratcatcher. If you haven't seen it at home, check it out. Just saying one more thing about the film that really stands out for me is like she's all 
unafraid to go to very uncomfortable places mm-hmm. with her characters. No one is a good guy in this film necessarily. Like they all do things that are problematic, but she creates such well-rounded characters. And I feel like she's not afraid of revealing those things about her characters. And I think there's such like a truth to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Very honest. Incredible. Incredible filmmaker. I'm excited to see what she's got next. I really liked her last film also. All right, Natalia, your second pick. It's the film Blue by Krzysztof Kieslowski, and it's part of a trilogy that he made. I think this film for me, if you've ever experienced grief in your life and the power of that emotion, I feel like this is one of those films that really captures the experience of grief and how people live with it. And the character in it is someone whose husband has died and her child has died in a terrible kind of freak accident. As she goes through this grief and tries to push away the world and tries to kill herself, not literally, but by pushing everybody away and ending her life. It's about the process of really discovering that maybe the life you thought you had wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an interesting twist to the movie is like she had such a clear idea of what her life was. And as she's going through the grieving process, there are things that happen along the way and a discovery that she makes that really questions the way she saw her life and has she has to really see it in a new way. And that gives her a chance to live a new life. The characters played by Juliette Binoche and just... Once again, maybe I'm drawn to these like quiet films where the expression isn't through dialogue. It's really through acting and through setting up these situations. And just the arc of her character in that story and the things that she learns about her life and herself, the way the script is set up is just really powerful to me because once again, it's not done through dialogue. It's really using a sense of scene and place and creating situations for the character. And just, she plays it with such a powerful, quiet, profound approach. Yeah, absolutely. This film is really a gut punch, but you go through the roller coaster of all the emotions in this film and in addition to that, the use of color in this film, I, I guess the use of color in like all three of the Colors trilogy movies, obviously it's the Colors trilogy, but it's so brilliantly executed. And it's just like each frame is like a painting. It's really, really breathtaking to watch. Yeah. I mean, like his collaboration with this cinematographer through many of his films really shows like they just have such a specific language. And yes, I completely even forgot about the color blue and just the way he uses it to describe the grief and to Mm -hmm. describe her way of grieving through this, everything from the chandelier in this new house that she has to her swimming in the swimming pool. But it never feels like it's forced. It really feels like these real life situations that she's in. And then you see, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's the color blue. Oh yeah. The blue of the water, the blue of the sky. Like he does it in these ways that's both over and subtle. So yeah, that piece is amazing. Absolutely. Blue, I believe it is available right now on the Criterion channel, or at least it was a month ago. So I apologize if it's not, but whether it's on the Criterion channel or not, check it out, seek it out, check out the whole trilogy. They are brilliant, brilliant films. Speaking of use of color, your third film, Natalia. Well, I realize now that 
In the Mood for Love, the third film by Wong Kar Wai. I realize now that every single one of these films is similar in the way that it's really about creating the scenes through cinematography and that each of these directors is really a master of the image and telling mm-hmm. a story through the image, not necessarily through dialogue, but all of them are really quiet, powerful films. And I think I fell in love with Wong Kar Wai the first time when I saw Chunking Express. I was blown away. I was completely blown away. I'd never seen a film like this. I'd never experienced a film like that it was so energetic and so exciting. And completely like different in structure than other films that I had seen and just played with time. It just blew me away. And then the first time I saw In the Mood for Love, I was actually in Berlin and I saw it in the original language. So basically they did subtitles in German and then it was in the original language. Ah. And so I watched it without being able to read the subtitles and I didn't know how to speak German. I basically saw it without being able to read it or understand it except through visuals. And by the end of the film, what was brilliant about it, I thought, is that I actually understood what the story was about. I didn't need to read the subtitles. I understood it through the way he told the story visually and the framing, his use of color, mood. It's one of the most romantic and like bittersweet and heartbreaking films I've ever seen. And it tells a love story in a way that a lot of love stories unfold over time and slowly. Mm-hmm. And it's so quiet. And yet at the same time, it's so grandiose in its imagery. And he really does that balance. You get so close to the characters through their gestures and the two actors in it. Once again, like very quiet acting like this isn't theater acting this is like very quiet subtle acting and I think every time I see it it just reasserts itself as like such an important film for me as a filmmaker wow what a testament to like a true masterpiece that for you to not be able to read the subtitles and not understand the language and still completely understand what the film is saying and be moved by it. That is filmmaking, right? <laughs> it's a visual medium. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, completely. And I think that, you know, once again, the use of the color in it. Mm-hmm. And I love his close ups on his actors' faces, too. The fact that he trusts being so close to people. I feel like Maggie Chung and Tony Lung in that film are just that collaboration with him, I don't know if that film could be the same film without them, right? right? Like, I think that, you know, having that intimacy with his actors too, I don't actually know what his process is. I know he does a lot of stuff last minute. It doesn't feel like that in this piece. I actually have like this amazing book about Wong Kar Wai. It's called The Cinema of Wong Kar Wai. It's, I think it's like a really long interview that happened over a decade with John Powers and it has all his films in it. It's If you are a fan, go get this book because the images in it are just, every image in it, in it could be studied for its layers and its textures and its colors. There's like this amazing, just I remember the shot of them in the room on the bed together. He's just a master of, of scene and visual. Well, Natalia, I, you literally could not have picked 
a better three. I think that is an amazing gimme three. I want to thank you for sharing those with our audience. And thank you for being here on our podcast on Film Forward. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and so excited to be able to see the film with a real audience. And I love what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for having me. Of course, at home, y'all can see her film, Jane, Saturday, October 16th at the Let Live Theater in West Hollywood. Tickets are available right now at LADFF.com. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward, and we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.